Welcome to the MHABC podcast. Today's guest is Gord Ratchery. Gord became the executive director of the Manufactured Housing Association of BC in June of 2011. He has extensive experience working with nonprofit association management for over 25 years. He's a professional forester by training and is a graduate of the BC Institute of Technology with subsequent training at Simon Fraser University, the University of BC, and Edinburgh Business School. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the MHABC podcast. Today we have Gord Ratri, Executive Director of the Manufactured Housing Association of BC. Good morning, Gord. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. And today we're going to be talking about the different types of um, factory-built housing. And Gord's just going to run us through um, uh, the different types and um, give us some information and some insight into the difference between manufactured and modular. Thanks, Caitlin. I really look forward to doing this because partly in doing these podcasts is to circulate and provide information that I I do on almost on a daily basis because part of my job in the MHABC is to answer questions from the general public, from lawyers, bankers. And what I've come along over my 10 years of working for the MHABC now is I've come up with something I call Factory Built Housing 101. Uh, and what I do in that is to walk through the types of homes that we construct within this within this industry, in order to explain to these individuals of what are how they differ, the legal side of them, the certification side, um, those sorts of things. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna start off and I'll try and cover as much information as I can in my little overview, and I anticipate there'll be some questions after. Yeah, that sounds great. So typically, I'll get a call and people will say, I've, I've, I've got a home and I don't know anything about it, or I'm thinking about buying a, a factory-built home. And so I, I go walk them through this process. And when it, within our industry, there's three key types of certificate uh, processes that we use. Z240MH, A277, and Z241 Park Model. And my goal is to walk through the, these three types, give some information with the goal of having people walk away and make better purchasing decisions and also to help our retailers uh, explain it better. So I'll start off with Z241MH. And Z240 was started, initiated back in around 1972. And Z240 is really a standalone building code. If you see the standard, it's about 100 pages. And it explains everything from the type of frame. And these are, uh, Z240 has to be built on a steel frame. So that standalone building code talks about the welding standards on the steel frame to the vents on the roof. And what these types of homes, and again, on a, certif- on a steel frame, they really are intended for manufactured home park community placement or people that may have a piece of private property that they want to put a home on in that steel frame because integral and and anchoring it onto the ground. Within the standard itself, there is a requirement these homes be subject to third-party inspection. And so when a company wants to start building Z240 homes, they'll come in to one of three major inspection agencies in British Columbia, whether it's Intertech or QAI, Quality Assurance Institute, or what I call CSA inspections. And the company, those one of those companies will come in, it'll inspect the plants, it'll certify it for that type of construction. 
Uh, the plant then carries on, and then that plant is subject to third-party inspection on an ongoing basis. So the customer is assured that there's a uh, group that's overseeing the plant. And so that, in terms of the inspection itself, the company comes, the inspection agent comes in. Uh, initially, it's, it's on a very frequent basis. It could be as frequent as once a month. And once they're comfortable that all the quality requirements, the certification standards are being achieved, then they can actually drop their inspection agencies down to, to once every three months. So that's Z240 in summary, building, standalone building code built on a steel frame targeted for construction or sorry, placement in a, in a manufactured home or, or on private land. Uh, there is no size limitations. Generally today, Z240s range everywhere from 14 up to 20 wide in British Columbia, and they can be out to 76 feet long. Wow. The second one is what's called A277. The A27 standard is a what's called a plant standard. Really, when that same, and it's a very similar process to what's been done with Z240MH, one of those three organizations comes in, they certify the plant to build it to that standard, and really their questions are such that, you know, do, do you, does your company have people that are familiar with the BC Building Code? Do they know how to apply it? Um, are they familiar with all the energy efficiency standards that are now integral within uh, the BC Building Code? And hence, they move on, and then that company starts to build these homes. They'll come back. The company will come back and do a, a, a third-party inspection on it. Uh, and then that what they will do uh, with A277, and similarly to Z240, once that company is uh, comfortable that the, the plant is operating properly, they will provide stamps mm. or seals, and they're placed within the home. Today, they're placed right around the electrical panel, and it just says, the iInterTech can, can ensure compliance against Z240MH, A277, and I'll talk about the Z241 in a minute. So the customer is assured that someone else has looked at it. Uh, those homes are, are once they're constructed, uh, different from the Z240MH's modular homes are, are really designed for placement on a perimeter foundation. The Where Z240 uses that steel frame for anchoring purposes, A277 is really called a modular standard, and it's usually built using an engineered floor system. They'll, they're moved to site on what's called a float. They're craned onto a, a perimeter or full foundation, although there are some different methods that can be done for, for anchoring these types of homes. But they really are intended to, to compete directly with stick-built homes. Okay. So that's, that is the, the A277 standard. Uh, the Z241 park model is a bit of a different animal, where Z240MH and A277 are, are termed full-time occupancy homes. A Z241 park model is not a full-time occupancy hold. The standard clearly explains that these are seasonal-type homes. They're not referenced in the BC Building Code, where Z240MH or A277 are. And it's not intended for people to purchase one of these and live in them full-time. They really are akin to a travel trailer, a fifth-wheel home, for example. But there are jurisdictions in British Columbia, more in the, the, the lower mainland, for example, where the seasonal conditions aren't as extreme. So there are some jurisdictions that have some bylaws that will allow permanent occupancy, but at the same time, they also have some specific requirements. 
around do, uh, do how the, the how those what how those homes are constructed. Yeah, with the park models, um, do they have to have routine, you know, um, checkups and things like that if you are taking it as a permanent residence? Uh, if they, uh, no, there's not. No, no they are. Just, are they treated the same for inspection purposes? QAI, Intertech. Uh, CSA inspection. So they are subject to third-party inspections. Uh, it, the bylaws will dictate if they are if they are permissible for full-time occupancy, then the bylaws will will dictate uh, types so of furnaces and sort of bylaw. thing. Gotcha. Um, but the big difference is insulation. A Z241 park model doesn't have the same insulation requirements as a, as a Z240 or an A277. And again, I just want to emphasize that they are intended for seasonal occupancy, really more of a cabin. Right, so summer, summer home <coughs> exactly. or recreational and, property. <coughs> yes, and so that's where we've, we've, we've encouraged our retailers to make sure that there, when people come in that they're, they're looking at options of one of the three, that the retailer clearly understands what is intended. Is it for a seasonal home that may be placed on a lake? Right. Uh, or is it, is it something where people are planning to live in at full-time? Then the options become Z240MH or A277. Uh, so those are the three standards, and that's really a summary of what I call factory built housing 101. A few other things that are really important for the customer to know that within British Columbia, we have what's called the Manufactured Home Registry. This is unique to British Columbia. Uh, it's look, being looked at at other provinces, but it was started back around 1978, and it was really brought in in order to protect the banks. So whenever one of those three, those types of homes, uh, the A277 and Z240, because park models are not building code compliant, they're not captured by the MHR. So anyone that's purchasing a Z240 MH or an A277 will find that when they purchase that home, it's got a manufactured home registry number uh, that's, that's dictated by BC Statistics with the MHR in, in Victoria. Today it's a six-digit number with a little provincial crest, and that, that crest is placed directly on the home. And that is intended that uh, for protection purposes, for ownership purposes, <clears throat> when, the, when that home receives that MHR number, uh, it's moved on to the site. There's a relocate permit that's issued by their province. And once it's on site, uh, they can't be moved unless there's another relocate permit applied for. So it's really intended that the, you know, the province knows where those going, and potentially anyone that may have some mortgage on it or, or excuse me, from uh, mortgage insurance, they know that that home is going to remain there in place. Mm -hmm. Another important part of the MHR number is. If you are to get uh, mortgage insurance, for example, CMHC will say we can treat a, a manufactured home, modular home. The only way that you can do it uh, as a sort of as a separate entity is a chattel, what's called a chattel mortgage. And so the, uh, the, if, for example, CMHC, if you wanted to link a home with a, with a piece of private property mm -hmm. for mortgage purposes, then what you would call you delist, deregister that home. And in that regard, then the home theoretically can't move again once it's deregistered. The home and the land become one one entity. So it's it's an important for customers and retailers to explain uh, 
uh, the importance of how these how this is unique to British Columbia and why the MHR number is important and how it, it, it will remain in, in, for the entirety of the home and only becomes mute if you are to deregister, but it still carries that that six, five or six digit number for its entire lifetime. So even if you, like you said, you deregister it, um, if you want to go and sell that home, then can the can you sell it and have the next owner then register it? it? That's exactly because that's when that home is sold, the MHR number stays with that home and right. then the, the notary public or the legal firm will will register that number with, with the MHR in Victoria. So they will explain that it's been a transfer of home ownership. Yeah, okay. Uh, that number remains with I it. I see, yeah. Another thing I'd like to cover off is warranties because mm-hmm. it's important to understand that factory-built housing is treated a little bit differently within British Columbia. If you, back in, again, around 1978, when, uh, when there was a problems in British Columbia with a leaky, leaky condo situation, the BC government brought in BC housing, and within that, they required building certification standards, they required uh, a mandatory, what's called a 2510 warranty, and it's, it's really two, two years of everything, five years water penetration and 10 years structural. So if you were to purchase a home uh, and it has a 2510 warranty on it, then everything's covered for two years. If there's problems with construction where there may be some water penetration, the covered, and then two years if there was a wall deformation or something, then that's covered off within that warranty. Is that specific to the factory built housing uh, industry or is that any house? It's a little bit different because what they did in, when they brought in BC housing is because um, it goes back to my comments around the third party inspection. The government mm-hmm. at the time said, well, because these homes are subject to inspection in the plants, they don't need real oversight by the government. So there was an exemption for factory built housing from the BC Housing 2510 certified builder requirements. Okay. Uh, but today, um, the majority of homes in British Columbia that are, are covered under by factory built housing. Uh, it's mandatory for MHABC members that they provide a minimum of a 1 in 10 warranty. And that warranty is covered within the purchase price. The way that warranties work, it's, a, it's covered off by a third-party insurance company. So it's separate from the retailer. It's separate from the manufacturer. Those warranties are purchased, and then they, they exist with the home for the, for the, for the warranty period. So, uh, again, whether you're 2, 5, 10, or 1 in 10 warranty, it's 10 years warranty on those homes. Mm -hmm. Critically important for purchasers whenever they're negotiating is to ask those important questions about warranty. Mm -hmm. There are some some companies that are not strictly, they're not members of the MHABC, uh, and they may only provide a one-year conditional warranty. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk to people, I I automatically say, Make sure that you understand what those warranty right. requirements yeah. are. Yeah, you want to be protected by Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So yeah. it's really an important topic mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed when, uh, when you're looking at purchasing a home. Um, one, is, one of the things that's important is to, is to understand that factory-built housing is, is, is treated the same for assessment purposes as well. So if you're purchasing a home and it's placed on a site, um, it's treated the same as if, whether you're talking about a stick-built home or a factory-built home, is that they're assessed 
they're assessed the same, and it's it's uh, it's important for the homeowner to to understand that you know they're going to be saying be saying the same level of taxes because those ho- homes are are treated exactly the same. Right. Uh, so it's an important thing that you want to be able to understand um, when you purchase a home how the government looks at them. Uh, Z240 has a specific anchoring standard. It's called Z240 10.1. It's it's another CSA standard that dictates how that home is to be anchored to the ground. So like foundation or exactly, yeah. and it's it's within the CSA standard that is treated as a as a as a permanent foundation. It's anchored. It's got skirting around it. But right. for mortgage purposes, and I often get questions from the from the from the finance. Uh, agencies, the, the 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 mortgage brokers. What about this this foundation standard? And I'm able to say that's a CSA standard. It yeah. meets all the seismic and wind conditions, and so um, it's another thing that to understand because uh, Z240MH really it utilizes that steel frame as important anchoring. Where A277 again is intended to be placed on generally on a on a perimeter or a full basement foundation. So if a home is is structured on a full basement foundation those cannot be moved once like a, a, an a277, a277 modular home is intended it's no different than a if you're a site build a home or stick yeah. build a home it's right. you know the home is is transported onto the site it's uh, generally three to four uh, modules now where they're craned onto the foundation they're bolted down and then for example a, a carport or a garage would be built on front of it we can't build Right. Yeah, carports in a in a plant they just yeah. aren't structurally uh, sufficient so those are built on site so it's um it's uh, it's important to understand the the foundation side of mm-hmm. when you're purchasing home the majority of our retailers with the MHABC are what what I call turnkey operators so you'll go in as as a re, as a purchaser you'll determine what type of home what are your your sort of your property situations uh, and then it would be up to the retailer to help you determine whether you know a foundation should be built. In many cases, they have uh, contractors or their own internal staff that are able to to construct these sorts of foundations, and then they'll take care of the placement on the mm-hmm. home and those sorts of things. Another important thing is to understand that <clears throat> within local government jurisdiction is that you still require to get a building permit. Right. So for, for the example, whole home. And anything additionally. Exactly. Well, what happens is uh, for factory-built housing, which is different from site-built, is that home has already been inspected by the plants. And because it's got that uh, compliance sticker on it, a building official anywhere in British Columbia would say, okay, because the foundation is built on site, Mm -hmm. then there will have to be a building permit. Obviously, they have to take care of the drainage and water hookups and that sort of thing. They don't inspect the home because that's already been done. Just what's there? That's right. So when uh, when that building permit is required, they'll they'll clearly explain that it's going to be an A two seven seven module. It's three pieces. It's coming from one of the manufacturers. It's already been certified. It's A two seven seven, for example, and the building official can say, okay, that's fine. I don't need to do any more. I know what's been done, but I'm going to come out and do ongoing inspections on that foundation, for example, or any of the site hookups, um, those sorts of things. With the foundations um, and the and building basements, that sort of thing. Are those um, something that the members do, or is it up to the the customer th- to find somebody to build those for them? 
that's referenced back to my statement on turnkey operations. Generally, it's in the best interests of a customer to be able to say, well, look, I'll go to a retailer and I want to build a 1,800-square-foot uh, A277 home and I want to put it on a full foundation uh, and have that retailer undertake the whole program because right. they're familiar with it. There are situations with people that will come along and say, look, I want to build my own foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll deal with the building permit where former comments is the retailer would go and uh, apply for that building or permit. They would be familiar with the local government people. Um, they can move it expeditiously. They're more familiar. And generally, the building officials are more more confident right. that they've got people that know what they're doing rather than someone that's going to say, I'm I'm, I just want to construct the foundation. Yeah. They may become the general contractor, but our experience is such that uh, turnkey operations are usually more efficient and, and yeah. it should cost effective. Right, of course. And so then if, if they were to go with somebody, um, a general contractor for the foundation or the basement, would then there be two separate warranties that they'd have to look at as well? It wouldn't be all under the, the retailer at that point. Again, very good question. Uh, so when because the there's a warranty that comes with the home from the factory itself mm -hmm. that was part of the sales agreement, um, that has its own warranty. Depending on who does the work on the foundation would, right. would be responsible for any damage. Yeah. Um, so if there was a, a retailer or even a, an independent contractor, if the if the home was constructed, uh, there was suddenly there's problems with the foundations, and we experienced very very few types of problems mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. But there would be the whoever was responsible for the foundation construction and the building permit requirements. They would be responsible for any remediation. There wouldn't be anything that would be addressed by the by the manufacturing by the plant, for example. Right, right. And what what go, what if I do want to move my home? And you said that there's certain homes that can and cannot be moved. And so the ones that can be moved, is there? What's the normal procedure look like for that? So generally what we're talking about on those sorts of is a Z240MH, Z240 and you've got even a manufactured home park, and you're going to move to another, another local government, another jurisdiction, another town or city. What you'd have to do is because in order to move most of these homes now, when you're 14 and 16 and 20-foot wide homes, mm -hmm. is there, there's a, a Ministry of Transportation infrastructure permits that's required in order to do that. It's very strict. It, most Can't of the just moves put it are, on your own truck and You don't move the these road. on your homes. In yeah. fact, that's an interesting point because... Uh, when Z240MH originally came out, it had its own wheels and axles because they were generally 10 and 12 you know, feet so wide. So they were able to just move on their weren't own. weren't very heavy, so yeah. they could be built on their own. Today, because the size of the homes now, when you're talking a 16-foot wide, 5-meter, right. 72-feet long, uh, they're way too heavy, so they're used on, you know, they're moved on heavy-duty equipment. Right. So back to your question. So when you're going to move that 1672 that you've got in uh, in Chilliwack, for example, mm -hmm. and you've decided that you're going to move to Merritt, right. so what you'd have to do is you'd have to engage a transporting company that has expertise in doing it. Right. What they would do then is they would go to the, the manufactured home registry. They would ask for what's called a relocate permit. Once they've got approval that the MHR knows that it's going to move from Chilliwack to Merritt, for example, then that same company would then go to the, the, the provincial permit center, which is run out of Dawson Creek, and they would apply for a permit, and then there would be stipulations that the government lay down that depending on the size 
uh, when it can be moved. Most of the, the moves are done in the middle of the night yeah, now to avoid traffic I mean, problems. Yeah, you don't want to be on the Coquihalla <laughs> uh, during rush hour. No, you don't. <laughs> um, and then it would be they those even the requirements within the MTI. They've got actually a specific transportation policy manual, and there's uh, lots of components with it that address manufactured housing that talk about how many pilot cars you have to have, right. when you can move it, those time sorts of, of things. Time of year must be. Uh, in in many know. cases there are. There are uh, the majority of the highways in British Columbia don't have seasonal restrictions on them, for example, but there are, for example, when we move homes with BC ferries, mm-hmm. there's seasonal restrictions where you may have a home and you have to move it in the wintertime when the, when the tourism traffic's lower. Yeah, right. So yeah, BC so ferries offers, offers transportation we, for modular. They actually have had to tighten up over the last few years where previously that we would be able to move a 16-foot, 5-meter-wide home on BC ferries. They have now restricted it down to about 14 feet very strict timing mm-hmm. on it uh, so most of the larger homes like it's a, a 60 foot five meter wide would go on on c-span barge for example so which would come out of vancouver company. yeah because they're the only ones with the vehicles capable of right. doing it and bc ferries um as if they're just a way that the, they're really subject to the, the boat, the yeah. specific boats, Especially the tides. Especially going to certain islands, perhaps, if it's yeah. a smaller ferry. That so if you thing. were to purchase a home and you're going to take it, out, take it on the Vancouver Island, it's probably, in most cases, if you're purchasing a, a 16-foot, 5-meter, I'm using inter- interchangeably, but they would go on a, on a, a barge rather than yeah. on BC ferries today. Right. One of the things, Caitlin, I'd like to cover off is I in, when I get calls from the general public, I usually start off and say, okay, uh, how old is the home, for example? Where are you planning on moving it to? Um, generally, we, we may run into problems if it's uh, an older Z240. As I say, Z240 came in around 1972. And Typically, one of the problems that I'll, I get the calls on is somebody has a 1978 manufactured homes and they can't find those stickers and the contracts are specific to say that the only thing that denotes that as a Z240 is the stickers that are placed on the homes. Uh, Back in that era in 72, the stickers were placed near the front main entrance and generally in the kitchen cabinets. So automatically what happens is somebody's built a deck, they've taken the siding up, takes it to the dump. They then replace their cabinets, the cabinet stickers are lost. And we go through many, many problems, and this is a typical question I get. And I have to walk the people through sort of the protocol here. So my question is, how old is it? It's older. It's newer than a 72. Okay, then it's a Z240. Uh, let's start trying to figure out if we could find those stickers. Maybe there's a reference in the, you know, it may have been sold a few times, and there's reference to the standard. There may be a, 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 a specifications plate that's on the home um, so we have to. I have to walk these people. But one of the key statements that I say to people: Where are you going to take it to? Mm-hmm. Please phone up the local government jurisdictions and and ask if there's any bylaw restrictions on factory built housing within the within the community you're going to move it to. Um, we're making more and more progress, but we still have a situation where some jurisdictions the bylaws may be out of date and they have very specific. Um, stipulations on where these homes can be placed mm-hmm. and so my once I get through sort of how old is it let's see if we can confirm what the standard was and then I the first thing I, I say okay now let's make a call to I'm going to move it to Merritt 
let's phone up Merritt and ask the, the, the bylaws people right. what their what their bylaws provisions are and the movement of that home into that local government jurisdiction. So it's really important because I say to people, um, you, you don't want to get it there and then have the local government or local building officials say, sorry, right. it's restricted yeah, by our bylaws. you got to do a bit of research there ahead of time. Yeah, and yeah. another thing that's becoming a little bit more prevalent today, there are some jurisdictions in British Columbia that will say, look, we, we accept Z240MHs and A277s, but we don't want anything that's that's older than a 1992, for example. Right. Um, 1992 was a, was a fairly pivotal area and when the, the code, the, the standards were substantially updated, they moved from, you know, uh, uh, vinyl or sorry, aluminum windows, you know, metal roofs to vinyl windows, duroid roofs, for example. And so some of the jurisdictions in British Columbia are saying that's the kind of home we want. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see some of these older homes that were constructed in an era when energy efficiency wasn't as right. critical, you know, fuel costs were much cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, but they're, what they're saying now is we want, we're more than willing to have, we want these types of homes, but we want to make sure we've got the newer ones much, you know, there's just because the energy efficiency card and what they're trying to achieve in their right. local communities, it's yeah. important to make that call and just make sure you understand what those bylaw mm -hmm. restrictions may be in that in that community you're thinking about having that home placed. And also, you know, moving a home that that old, was it also dangerous for tra to transport a home that age uh, in any way? That's if we are we start talking back to sort of our coverage on wheels and axles. If it's a yeah. if it's a smaller home, the first thing that we'll say to people is get under it and have a look at right. the state the status of those homes. Um, I've I say to people climb on the probably the most important one is to get under it. Make sure you understand what the the condition of those wheels and axles. Mm -hmm. But as important is to look at the the ceiling the you know the insulating bag and that sort of thing. That uh, the status of those of those homes because right. that's where you could run on is moisture problems or rodent problems. So I'll mm -hmm. say to people, if you're thinking about purchasing an older home, um, same thing. Get that can under be a whole it. Other get a building I'm get sure. an inspector to have a look at it <laughs> yeah. so you know what you're buying. Yeah. Um, I can record. I can report on on many horror stories I'm of sure. people that have phoned me that were yeah. looking at an older home and uh, ran into some significant problems. Nothing wrong with them, although I have to say that a home that was built in 1972 uh, was never. Uh, it was never intended to comply with the building code. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really more. Um, I shouldn't say a shorter lifespan on these things, but clearly they were, you know, yeah, aluminum or... windows and that and, you know, minimal insulation. Where today, if you were to look at a Z240MH versus an A277, there is no, there's no material difference. Mm -hmm. Z240MH today is, is almost fully in compliant with the BC building code. There's some minor difference on some door and window mm -hmm. standards. But that's a completely different home right. than you'd be looking at if yeah. you were considering purchasing something back in the you know in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, and um, I know that the history of factory built housing is on the website, and it's quite interesting to see how far it's come and how 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 modern and um, different they are now. They're just they've come a long way. That's one of the yeah. in terms of our our information campaign within mm -hmm. the Manufactured Housing Association of BC is really to explain those differences. Yeah, uh, it's interesting today with the demand for housing 
that manufactured housing um, is is really sought after product now. Um, but I always have to caution people that if they're going to look at a, a much older one, make sure you do the due diligence right. and have inspections. Whether you do your own sort of surveillance, look at, you know, get under and have a look. But more importantly, get a get a uh, an inspection company to come in and look at it that knows what they're doing and can give you a proper assessment on that home. Right. Yeah. Is and is there anything else that we want to cover today, Gord? Is there? No, I think we've covered most of it, Caitlin. uh, These are the sorts of questions I'm really pleased to be able to do this because this is this is typically I probably get you know four or five calls a month from people at Z240. Um, What's the difference if I'm looking at a a Z240 on a steel frame versus an A277? What about this park model situation? Yeah, Um, they're really important. uh, It's really important to have because again today's factory built housing is is akin to a, a site or stick built home right. They're same quality um, there's obviously some different conditions where we have to be able to move these homes so there's you know we're we're especially in southern british columbia we're impeded by overpasses and mm-hmm. narrow highways and that sort of thing so there always will be a difference between you know site built and and factory built housing but in terms of the quality themselves there really are no difference today Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks again, Gord, for joining us today. Pleased to be here. For more information, you can go to the MHABC website at mhabc.com. Stay tuned for more from MHABC.